How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Action. Drinkaction.com. Use code word curious. You'll get 15% off your order. Action is a specialty coffee and natural supplements company based in Austin, Texas, with a presence in Pittsburgh, PA, delivering you the freshest and most delicious specialty roast coffees that you can find. Sourced from Guatemala, small batch roasted upon your order in Austin, Texas, and shipped directly to your doorstep. Action is just simply my favorite coffee and has expanded into natural supplements with products like turmeric and hemp, MCT oils, and some things coming with mushrooms. So stay tuned. If you subscribe for products every month, you'll save 20%. But either way, go to drinkaction.com, use code word curious and check it out. My guest today is a productivity coach and somebody who I spoke with uh, about a month or two ago. And I got a lot of value in the quick conversation that we had. And I thought, especially now when everybody is doing things from home and on their own, being their own boss, I talk about it constantly. You know, I'm a big proponent of it, but there's a reality. Uh, sometimes we just suck at it or we're maybe not that productive to be successful. And instead of trying to suffer through failure after failure, which you ultimately do learn from, uh, there are people like my guest who coach you and who provide you some insight and help you to avoid some of the pitfalls that can derail an otherwise successful entrepreneur. And so I really appreciate her coming on and sharing some of what she, you know, is charging people, I'm sure, a considerable amount of money for. Um, but to come on here and share what she is coaching people with on a daily basis. And I think it's uh, something that will be hopefully beneficial for a lot of you. Give it up for my guest, Tiffany Taylor. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm on time this time. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> yes. Now, it was like, if there's anything that I do right on this podcast, it's going to be to show up on time. I can't make her wait. So thank, <laughs> thank you. you. I appreciate yeah, it. Certainly. Thank you for taking some time today and coming on here. I, you know, ever since we had our, our brief conversation, I was actually, I left that conversation more intrigued about you um, and wanted to have you back on because I do think that, you know, myself and a lot of other people, people who I listen to, you know, 2020 was this year of reflection. A lot of people started their own thing. A lot of people missed out and are starting 21 with this ref refreshed kind of like mindset of, okay, I'm going to go out and make my own destiny. Cause I just saw what happens when I put all the cards in, you know, the basket of my employer. Um, I think it, it awakened people to things. Right. But um, mm -hmm. I, your story and how you've gotten to where you are to me is really important and a center pin of making sure that everything else that I want to talk to you about as far as like your coaching and everything is, is like appreciated. So I'd really like to understand, cause I, I mean, you're in Thailand right now, by the way. Um, 
how does a young lady like yourself find herself in Thailand coaching others on, you know, habits of productivity? So coaching was always built into my professional roles when I was working in the corporate world. So first I started working at a restaurant. I very quickly became the director of operations of that restaurant. And I had a staff of 60 under me. And the reason why is because I was able to replicate my skills and train people under me to be even better than me at certain things. So that was always my focus. And then I went into a sales director position and then I went into an operations manager position for another corporation. And I am just in love with management. That's what I really realized. I, and it wasn't necessarily about the products, the services the companies were offering. It was always about the people. I really love developing people and helping them grow and seeing them through their personal development journey. So coaching was always built in my practice. And when I started learning what coaches are and learning about that industry, I was like, wait a minute, I can get paid for this. I can do this for my life. Like I can change lives as a profession. And that's when I started putting the pieces together that this is definitely for me. So I started investing and learning about the coaching business about two years ago. I started learning about the coaching model, what that looks like, trying to define a niche for yourself, which is not easy, and really deciding who do you want to help and what tools do you need to help these people to make a maximum impact. So that the journey really started more than two years ago. It was just last year that I had all the time and the space and the energy to start creating this business. And I'm really grateful for that because it has exploded in the first three, four months. I'm in the fourth month now, and I'm about to put out a group coaching program just because I need to be able to help more people at once. I'm noticing one-on-one, you can only help so many people at the same time. So it's just been this beautiful journey, honestly. That's really exciting. The one thing that really like jumps at me, right, is people talk about imposter syndrome. And so I have my own thoughts on this because I, I didn't graduate college. I um, got really lucky. I met the right person at the right time who gave me the right opportunities to prove myself. And that was something that I had to overcome on my own. And I think it was a natural something inside of me that I either was born naturally with, or I developed at a young age through personal experiences and things that I dealt with as a child. I think we all have our own unique stories and they, they, you know, impact us in a lot of ways. So I don't know for sure which is which, but I was very comfortable kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, faking it until I make it right. And so I'm curious, did you have a similar, you know, experience with that? Because you're, you know, you're young to have accomplished everything that you have and to really, you know, approach a job where a lot of people would take like a whole year just to be like, okay, I need to fill this out, make sure that I'm comfortable here where you don't seem like you did that. You kind of like come in, take charge, take names, get shit done. Yeah. And it's because, I mean, coaching, the thing about coaching is you can't bring anywhere to a place you haven't been yourself. So being a coach, you really have to hold yourself to a higher standard and go through all these experiences and find your own way out of them. So you can help others do the same. When it comes to imposter syndrome and having that confidence of your capabilities, you have to build a reward system for yourself. And that means you have to do some work then you have to, um, sorry, one moment. No, no, <laughs> not the time to walk up to you and I'm on the phone, sorry. <laughs> so you have to do the work 
and then you have to get the reward and that's what builds confidence. So when you're building a business, you have to do confidence, reward, work, reward, confidence, work, reward, confidence. And so I think what a lot of people try to do is they try to push out free content when they're starting a company. And I've seen this in marketing strategies. You just have to put lots of free stuff out. But what happens is that's the fastest track to burnout for a lot of people because you're doing all this work. You're putting all this content out. You're not really sure where it's going. You're not really seeing the impact you're having firsthand. And that's when those feelings start to set in of what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not meant to be doing this? What if I'm not really the person I say I am? And that's when imposter syndrome sets in. So the best way to curb it is to prevent it from happening in the first place. And the way I did that was I didn't start with free coaching. I said, I'm a coach. I have the tools and skills that I need and I'm going to show you. And I, I, my first client, I transformed her life. It's so cool to watch, not just the impact it had during, after each session, but following months later, just following her growth has been absolutely amazing. And that's what gives me confidence. And a lot of times the imposter syndrome, the way that shows up for a lot of people is needing to know everything and needing to learn everything and collect all the certifications and all of the experiences. But at the end of the day, the, the deeper you go into a subject, the further you removed, you become from the person who actually needs that help. So for example, if you're a personal trainer and you say you have imposter syndrome, so you start collecting the certifications. Say you go you know, six levels deep in your nutrition certifications, and now you're learning about strength and conditioning for athletes. Well, if the person you wanted to help is just the average person who wants to lose 10, 15 pounds, you are so deep in the information now that you're, you're too far to really help them and give them a hand up. And they're not even able to relate to you anymore. So it's really recognizing that you only need to be a few steps ahead to have that maximum impact on the person you want to help. That's really, no, it's, it's a really good point. I think self-awareness is such a key trait that people underestimate the importance of, you know, being able to be honest with yourself too, and understand what you're good at, what you're not good at, where you need help, where you need a mentor, where you need a coach. Um, you know, do you see a, a typical hang up that most people have, or is there, you know, when it comes to productivity, you know, for me, when I'm, when I'm not being productive, I'm usually overthinking things. And I, you know, for me, it's, it's not that I have too much on my plate. It's, you know, maybe I'm too emotionally tied to something. And sometimes I have to ask myself, like, why is it so hard for me to make a decision? But mm -hmm that's, that's usually my hang up and being, and then stuff starts to pile up because I'm like paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, what are the, what are the standard things that people can look out for when they're struggling to be productive? Self-awareness is definitely the first thing that you hit the nail on the head on. And it's actually interesting is as I'm building this group coaching program, it's built on the foundations of self-sabotage. And when I talked, I was doing my market research, talking to quite a few entrepreneurs about this, and I asked them what they thought about the program building out, there was not one comment on self-sabotage. And when we had a conversation around that, it's, there's a lack of awareness of where self-sabotage comes from and what it actually is. So another thing adding on to that is knowing what productivity is as well. A lot of times we need to think about, is productivity a feeling to me or are we measuring productivity? Is productivity a feeling or is it the ratio that I'm measuring? Because those are two different things. So we need to start associating that feeling of productivity with the actual measurement as something you can increase. Productivity cannot mean busy. And getting a lot done every day, if you're not measuring what's getting done and you're not measuring what's getting actually accomplished, what goals you're really achieving, 
it's really hard to associate that good feeling with being busy because you can increase your ratio for productivity. There's always room for improvement there. You can only increase how busy you are to an extent. And then there's not really any more busy you can get from there. Mm-hmm. So understanding what productivity is, first of all, calling it like it is, instead of slowly starting to stop, say, I've had a productive day and start analyzing, did I get the most important things done that I needed to today? Or are these the three most important things I need to get done today or this week or this month? Just taking a step back and really diving into that self-awareness is important. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think that's a, a big thing. Uh, you know, I'm big on lists because if I don't see it, and I, and I don't physically cross it off. Now I know like, there's a lot of people that's, that tell me like lists are, you know, don't, don't hold yourself to a list because your day is going to be a lot more fluid. I mean, is there, do you have a, a, a mindset either way when it comes to, you know, tracking stuff like that? Oh, definitely. So I always ask if someone has a to-do list and if someone tells me they have a to-do list, that's a really key indicator. They're not that productive. <laughs> And usually people get shocked when I say that. They're like, I'm like, do you have a to-do list? And they get really excited. They're like, yeah, I have a to-do list. I'm like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Here's the thing with to-do lists. They usually go one of two directions. You have a, a long to-do list. You get overwhelmed. You don't look at it. You, check, you choose the easiest things on the list just to t- for the sake of ticking them off. And that's how that goes. Or you don't make the to-do list. And then your brain goes, well, I don't have a to-do list. So I don't have to do anything today. And then you also get nothing done. So the best thing to do is to break down your goals backwards. Another question I like to ask my clients are, are you working towards your goals? Do you feel like you're building toward your goal day by day? Or do you know where you want to be at the end of the month? And are you working backwards from there? And the difference is if you're working backwards, you can figure out the 18 most important things you need to do a week. Mm-hmm. You can figure out the four most important things you need to do in a month. And if you have a goal deadline set by the end of the month, you can break it backwards. But if you don't have that deadline set, if you're not using your smart goal system on your calendar, you're going to start doing a lot of things that seem to be working towards that goal. But without having the end in mind, you might be just doing fake work, suede work, adding meetings you don't need to have, but they're not the most urgent or important things. You might be having meetings that are too long. You might be doing tasks that might not be necessary and adding on to them. So working backwards is really key here. Mm-hmm. You're making me feel a little bit better. Although I still, I think I need to go back and analyze my list making. I try to break things down with kind of short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. So mm-hmm. every day I, I know what my, my five-year plan is. I've got something in, in mind. I'm working towards that every single day. I write that same thing down just so that I don't forget. There's a medium-term goal, which for me is kind of yearly. I know my financial goals this year. I know, you know, for certain projects, there's milestones that I need to be hitting. There's, um, you know, goals that I have with certain businesses that I'm a part of. Those are kind of on a yearly basis. And, you know, then I kind of have these short-term, medium-term goals, which are, okay, I, I need to make sure that I'm getting six podcast episodes out every month. I need to make sure that, you know, um, certain KPIs are being met on, on the action side. Because I, I can certainly relate to your point about just making a list of things to do and finding that the most important things, if you looked at like day after day after day, the are the ones that don't get checked off because you find reasons why you don't have enough time and that, well, I can feel more productive because I can cross 10 things off. But to your point, really don't accomplish anything other than wasting segments of your day and then allow you to this like gratification of crossing something off. 
So the next step I would tell you if you're using to-do lists is move to-do lists into the urgent important matrix. Are you familiar? No, no. So what do you, tell me about this. So anyone that's listening to this, you can go to Google and type in urgent important matrix and get a photo that'll describe exactly what I'm talking about. But it's basically just a quadrant system. So you draw a box with one line in the middle vertical and one line horizontal. And on the left you have important and not important. And at the top, you have urgent and not urgent. So anything that's not urgent, one by one, you'll start moving things over from your to-do list. So if your to-do list is house chores, okay, is it urgent? No. Does it have to get done? Probably. So that means you're going to schedule it. If it's something that's some crisis happened and you need to handle it right now in work, there's an emergency, something went wrong, that would be very urgent and very important, which means you're going to do it right now. So that's what you focus on today. If you have something that's important, but not urgent, it goes on your calendar. So if you're slowly transitioning from a written to-do list, I would say transition your to-do list into this quadrant, build a quadrant every day for yourself and start doing it that way. And once you get the hang of using the quadrant, you can start learning how to schedule things in your calendar so that they're the most important things to get done. And they're also the most effective at reaching your goals. Very important stuff right there. No, I, th I think that's, that's huge, you know, because there's so many people that want to be productive and I just think they don't know how to be. They think, you know, they think that they're being productive or they think that, okay, these are the changes that I need to make. And they're setting themselves further back behind things because they just are really unaware and you don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. So you told me about this coffee business that you had been a part of. Is that like a, was that a big part of your journey? And like how much of, tell me about this because that, you know, being in the coffee industry, I certainly was a little fascinated by that because you're like internationally. Yep. So I worked for a global coffee company, 162 years old. They're based in Vienna, Austria, and they had just brought the coffee into America. And the first office was in Miami, which is where I was living. So I was part, I was an employee for in the American office and it was such an amazing experience. I already enjoyed coffee before. I got addicted to it there <laughs> in a good and a bad way. Um, but definitely being there was a huge part of the business. I had an amazing mentor above me in that company. And that's actually the reason I moved to that company because having an amazing company is one thing, but having an incredible boss who can motivate you, who can teach you, who can show you the things you didn't even know existed in business was really what I was after. So he really challenged me to grow and learning how to start a business. You, you got to learn the startup environment of a company while also being part of a larger company, just further removed because you're across the pond. But it opened up doors to where now I have to organize a small company that has no organization before that. And I was in a corporation where everything was very organized. You had training modules for new employees that were, you know, corporately regulated. I mean, everything was to the T, but when you have a startup, everything has to be built. So it really allowed me to use my organizational skills to build systems and put systems in place for new employees that are being hired on or sales systems or marketing systems. Everything had to be put into place. So I got to use my skills there. And this amazing mentor of mine also brought in a productivity coach from Croatia. And before that, I never knew what a productivity coach was. And it was cool because 
coming from a background of ADHD, I always struggled with time management. Not just time management. I'll say I struggled with perception of time. I didn't know where it went. We didn't have a good relationship. So I really had to learn to compensate for that to bring me to a, a state of normalcy where the average person's at. And because I got so good at getting better there, that's where I went into overcompensation mode and over research mode. And I became obsessed with the idea of productivity. So it was really cool is when this productivity coach comes in and I'm going to the workbook and I had already done all the exercises on my own because I'm a super nerd and I read a lot of books. And I was actually giving him recommendations on books. <laughs> and I was thinking, I could do that. <laughs> I could do what he just did. I could do a two day seminar. That'd be fun. It's interesting you say this because when <clears throat> when I asked you earlier about imposter syndrome, that was kind of my personal experience was, you know, I had this great mentor that empowered me, that made me feel not necessarily that I was more capable than I was, but that it was that I was in a safe place to learn and make mistakes and to grow and that they were invested in me. And so I was very lucky to have that um, in a startup. I was in the technology space and we were acquired by IBM, kind of different scenario than you, but similar in that I then got absorbed into this very mature, organized, structured organization, but we were still this separate entity that was operating as a startup. They didn't want to, you know, at the time, they didn't want to mess that up. They wanted us to just get the benefits of big blue and, you know, stay cool and, and you know, on trend of what they wanted. But I saw a lot of people in that experience who were levels above me, senior vice presidents, you know, people with 20, 30 years of experience. And I'm like, okay, like I, I'm on, like, I, I can, I can do that. This person's ask, they're deferring to me. They don't even know who I am. Like they're, and then I start understanding like, wow, they're, you start realizing what compensation is with people. And you start, it's like, you're in this world all of a sudden. And I'm sure it's the same with sports, you know, like there's some people that they get to a level and they're just like, well, I'm good enough to be here. I, I, I belong here. And that was what it was for me. And so from that point forward, I never felt like, I always felt like there's other imposters. So I guess maybe I never felt completely that I wasn't one, but I never, I didn't feel like I was the only person in the room who might not feel at the moment. Like I don't know exactly what somebody's saying. And so it gives you a level of confidence that I think otherwise isn't there when you don't think that way. Absolutely. And also just focusing on your authenticity as well and really leaning into that and recognizing, okay, maybe you're not the top of the top. Maybe you're not going to be the best of the best, especially when you're starting out. It's your ambition to get there, but also focusing on what your strengths are and building off of that. I will not take a client that I, I don't think I can help. If I don't have 100% confidence that I can get this person the result they're looking for, I'll tell them, you know, I don't think I'm the right coach for you. I might be able to recommend you, but this is probably not a good fit. And holding on to that authenticity as well further gives me confidence that I am the right coach. I'm doing the right thing. I, I have a code of ethics and morals that I follow. And that's really important as well. I'm patient with myself and my growth. I will Coaching is a never-ending personal development loop. Like you're continuously having to learn. And I know that there's no end. But I know that where I am right now is more than enough to help people in a massive way. And that's really what I'm focused on. I, I take myself out of the equation. I take it so that it's not about me anymore. If it was in a company, it's not about me. It's about the company. How can I help the company? 
if it's coaching, it's not about me. It's about my clients. How can I help my clients today? I would have to imagine. I mean, you kind of were exposed this way, right? Through corporate America, where they brought in a productivity coach. Are there a ton of opportunities right now, especially because companies are shifting and having a lot of people now working from home? So I know, you know, firsthand in working with some clients and other organizations where that was a big shift for them. They were very office centric and now they're giving people a longer leash. And so they're investing in productivity coach or a thousand other different things that they feel is going to ensure that their now mobile workforce is just as productive as they were when they were inside of an office. And I, I mean, I, this could even be a bigger conversation because I think there's, I mean, I'm of the mindset that if you don't have the right people and you have to monitor, there's always exceptions to that being in an area, especially in a startup mode, it's probably nice to be across the hall from somebody where you can really bounce ideas off of each other. But in a lot of cases, being inside of an office for me can be distracting. It can be less productive. And so having the trust from an employer um, that I have the ability to, to do my own thing, but curious, you know, like I would, I would have to think a lot of people are in search of your type of service at the moment. Definitely. I'm working with a few work from home employees right now who are part of very large corporations and now they have to work from home. And it's like, okay, I have all the time in the world. Now I make my own schedule and work. The thing is when you're working in an office, it becomes kind of a habit. You get to the office, you sit down, and you just, you work because that's what you do. And it's just a habit at that point. When you don't have that cue anymore of now I'm out of the office, it becomes very difficult to get into a zone of focus. And so what's something I teach my work from home employees is focus on demand. Learning how to focus on demand. Okay, now I snap into focus mode and following through, building up that self-trust and that self-discipline. I find that most people that I've worked with in the past say that they have 100% discipline when it's for somebody else. But when they're trying to do something for themselves, it's more like 50, 60%. Which is interesting, but again, awareness is the first step in working through that and creating a, a home environment to increase productivity is extremely important. And a lot of times it just comes down to the basics. How is your sleep? How do you, do you fall asleep easily? Are you staying asleep? How are you feeling when you wake up? Are you using any stimulants? Are you, do you have any unhealthy habits that you're using to cope with stress? These are the main factors in productivity and they're the foundations that I work with as well. It's a lot about energy management rather than just time management. Time management tends to be the least of someone's trial and challenges. It's a perfect segue. I was, you know, I know that um, kickboxing and Muay Thai being in Thailand is, you know, a big part of that. And I had an interesting conversation on my honeymoon with a, a gentleman randomly at, at the bar at the hotel we were staying at in San Francisco on our way home. And uh, he was big on sleep and just told me, you know, I've been through multiple divorces. I've had really high ups and really low downs. And I still, to this day, I don't know who he was, but he, it was a very opportune conversation for me to have. It came at the right time, but he was very heavy on making sure if anything's wrong in your life, examine your sleep, examine your diet, look, look there first before you look outward into the universe, because more often than not, it is going to be centered within. And, you know, how much do you focus when you're working with somebody to your point, like you can help them organize, you can do all these things, but do you put a big focus on self and health and well-being 
and, and like, is, what role do you, do you look at that as it playing? That is the first thing I talk about. And this, you know, the thing is no one wants a wellness coach. <laughs> I looked at this. There's a lot of wellness coaches that people don't actively seek out a wellness coach because yeah, I'll get better. I'll get better later. And those are the people that need the help the most, the ones that aren't prioritizing themselves and their self-care. Uh, time management and productivity, big sore point. That's where I work on. But in order to manage your time, you have to manage your energy. If you're waking up with 50% energy, why would you focus on managing your time at that point if you're only at 50% to work with? It makes much more sense to expand yourself to starting a day with a full battery, starting the day with 100% energy, and then learning how to navigate around that. So, and, and energy comes down to 100% sleep. And I always say, and this comes from corporate, is what gets measured gets managed. Mm -hmm. So if you're not measuring your sleep, you really don't know how your sleep is. And that's really important because if you're trying to work on your energy management and you're saying, yeah, I slept okay. The truth is you actually have no idea how you slept. You might feel okay, but you don't know what your sleep stages are or how your sleep cycles are. You could have a really big health problem and not know if you're not tracking your sleep. So I'm a big believer in tracking sleep and tracking all metrics and having a health dashboard to look at because when you have your own business, for example, or you're in a management role and it seems like you're just in this whirlwind in a company, it's really easy to let go and lose sight of what those really important, seemingly small things are. So I definitely work with clients on diet changes. I definitely work with them on sleep. I work with them a lot on caffeine regulation intake and caffeine fasting when needed, which is, plays a huge role in energy as well. And also learning how to cultivate and channel your energy. Um, emotional intelligence is a big part. How do you respond to a trigger? Uh, another part would be, what do you do when you're really demotivated? How can you shape your energy? How can you pull from your own energy and draw out and get out of that position and channel into something positive? So using techniques to manage your energy as well, not just expanding it, but managing it when it's not where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you. And okay. be curious is, you know, I had a conversation earlier today, actually, I was a guest on a podcast, and we were talking, I met this person through the cannabis industry. And we were talking about motivation, and cannabis legalization, and how that plays an effect into people. And I, I struggle with it. And I certainly I can only speak for myself, right. And I can speak about a lot of other people who I've seen cannabis along with a lot of other things like derail completely because they can't handle that. But a lot of things for me, I actually, I truly do benefit towards cannabis as well as other psychedelics, because I feel for whatever reason, the way that I've gotten to where I've gotten, they've really given me an ability to see myself in a way, shape and form that I otherwise wouldn't have situations in ways that I wouldn't have. And I know I've changed course and made positive changes in myself because of them. There's a lot of other people who would say it's completely demotivating. It's, you know, not something that uh, is, you're the exception, not the rule. Do you deal with that a lot? Like, is that something that you, as you peel back the onion on people who struggle with being productive, that like, there's this hidden under a blanket that they don't want to expose habit call it cannabis or something else that's affecting them and that's ultimately really what's keeping them from achieving optimal success so i call it distraction and distraction looks different to everyone 
So distraction could be cannabis. Distraction could be watching TVs or binge watching Netflix. Distraction could be gambling. Distraction could be the glass of wine you drink at the end of the day just to take the edge off. Distraction could be a lot of things, but it's really important to realize that that distraction is not external and the draw to find something like that. Even the distraction of just picking up your phone and looking for something to do, it has an internal trigger. So asking yourself, what is it that's making me want to do this right now? Usually, and this usually becomes a habit because the subconscious mind's role is to keep you safe and protected and comfortable. And it wants to keep you out of pain. Pain could be boredom, pain could be frustration, pain could be stress. So what is the internal trigger that's causing me to feel one of these things? And instead of going to something else to escape it, diving even deeper into it. Why am I feeling this way? What's making me feel this way? How do I want to feel instead? How can I manipulate these emotions? How can I process these emotions? That would be the better way out because when you're able to process things at the root and starting there, it's not a matter of escapism anymore. You're not going to have that draw to have certain things. Everyone copes differently, but the healthiest way to cope is always going to be naturally, organically, internally with self. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if it helps some people, it helps some people. It's not something I advertise or say, yeah, you should go do this. It'll make you feel better. Yeah, no, <laughs> I sure. For handling things naturally internally with yourself. Sure. No, I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, even as somebody who feels like I've gained a lot of benefit and insight, um, I guess I, I look at it as, you know, I've had two different types of experiences. I've had the younger self, just to your point, coping with things. And I'm sure. I'm sure I still do that. I'm, I'd be silly to think that I don't. Um, I'd like to think that maybe through that process, I've found interesting ways to maybe enhance things that I've learned that weren't a part of that, but no, can, can certainly, can certainly see where you're coming from and have seen it. Like I said, firsthand wreck a lot of people, but yeah, wanted to get your insight. So Still in Thailand, plan on staying there for a while? Yeah. Is that like maybe a year? Yeah. Maybe another five years. Who knows? Have you been active with Muay Thai? No, because I had an injury about a year ago. So I haven't been able to practice because I actually snapped my ACL on my knee. Funny you ask. Uh, I did go to the gym yesterday and think, let me just try. Okay, usually it's not a good idea. Probably not advice a doctor would give. But I thought, let me just try some exercises on a bag. I, I got some bag work in and I felt no pain in my knee, which is a big celebration for me. It's a huge win. So I'm going to try to get back into Muay Thai slowly over the next week or so and see how I go. Muay Thai is my true love. Muay Thai is my everything. It's my outlet. It's my therapy. It's my joy. It's my passion. And I'm really excited to be getting back into it. And I'm really grateful. It's everywhere you turn over here. I found it very difficult to find a Muay Thai gym in the States. Where did you, where did you find this passion? Was it something that you found after you went to Thailand or was it something that you had formed prior to going there? And it's just kind of been a match made in heaven since. So it's interesting how I found Muay Thai. I started cardio kickboxing when I was 16, working at the restaurant, and I loved it. And I saw on the schedule Muay Thai, which had a funny name, and I was like, that sounds interesting. What's that? And I tried my first Muay Thai class. It was brutal. (laughs) It was brutal. And I was infatuated. Unfortunately, this came about 
three weeks before I was moving about an hour and a half away. So I was only able to take that one class and I wasn't able to take another one after that. But from the first class, I thought, how do I train for a fight? I want to get in a fight. That's the first thing I said. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, so I, I kind of just put it on the back burner. There were no Muay Thai gyms where I moved. I, I moved to Milan two years later. The first thing I did, the first week I moved to Milan, I found a Muay Thai gym and I took a class there. Unfortunately, I had to leave Milan <laughs> two weeks after that one. <laughs> so I couldn't stay. So now I've taken two Muay Thai classes. And I remembered a friend telling me that there was some amazing gym in Thailand that I should go see to train Muay Thai. And I had nothing else going on in my life at that time. I was taking a break from school and work. So I thought, let's go do Muay Thai for a while. I booked a one-way flight to Thailand. I got to this gym and I, my, it was technically my third time doing Muay Thai, but to be very honest, I was a complete beginner. I knew nothing. This is like two classes over the past three years is all I had. And I started from scratch learning here. And I didn't start by taking, you know, one or two classes a week. I started by training four hours a day <laughs> for six months because it just became an addiction. And it's, I learned so much about myself through that journey. It's, it's an active meditation for me because it allows you to get into that state of flow. And it's just, it's so beautiful to just dive into it. And I'm excited to go back to it. I imagine you've seen a direct correlation as far as other aspects of your life that have improved dramatically because of the impact of something like that. Definitely talking about self-awareness. One, how you do one thing is how you do anything. And I think it's really important to recognize this through exercise. If, if you want to know why your life is where it is, if you want to know how you got to where you are, Go analyze your thought processes at a gym doing any sport, whether it's weightlifting or Muay Thai kickboxing or running, you're going to see how your mind works. And for example, in Muay Thai, if you think, oh, I'm tired, I'm going to stop now. Then you can start asking yourself, where else in my life am I acting like that? Where else in my life am I saying, I don't feel like doing this anymore and I just give up? And that's beautiful because when you get to that point, you can decide, do I want to keep acting like this or do I want to be better? Do I want to improve? Do I want to stop having these bad habits and just quitting when I feel like it? And through learning that discipline in the gym, you start to see it carry over to every other area of your life. And the deeper you go into a sport, the deeper you start to experience that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have like this new habit where I'm just trying to seek out things that are difficult because I, I, can, I can see that in myself. Like I look at my own journey and it's, it's a small segment. Like I'm, I'm aware enough to realize that T enough time has passed where I can look at a chunk of time. I can look at the last 10 years of my life and I can draw some, I can draw some fairly good inferences of, okay, like here's what I did. Well, here's what I didn't do. Well, here's what will continue to happen. Here's where I can kind of gauge where I'll be in 10 more years. If I was to stay charted on that path. Right. But I also am aware enough to realize that it's still a small enough segment that I can take everything that I learned from that and I can quick adjust and that it's not the end of the story for me, you know? And so I think having, having that ability, and I, I completely forget what the hell I was even trying to get at originally with what I was saying, probably the weed. Um, no, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where having that ability to change course and, and be open enough to realize like, okay, this didn't work but I, I can, I can change that. You know, I, it's, I'm not tied to that. You don't have to be married to your ideas and, 
and feel like you, you know, people are going to judge you because something you tried didn't work. So what are some of the hard things you've sought out lately? Oh, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. So, um, you know, back recently into jujitsu. So that's something that trying to keep myself honest, you know, a couple times a week, I've, I've gotten back into it, um, doing some one-on-ones. I've got a really great gym here in Pittsburgh. And so I've had, uh, the owner of that gym on the podcast and he's kind of pushed me to be like, Hey, get back into this. It was something that I did, but I, th- I think that's where I was going. Like I spent 10 years and got away from a lot of, a lot of the things that gave me the edge to be the person without a college degree with the guts to go and try and be confident enough to learn on the fly. I do the same thing. I always seek out difficult things to challenge my mind. One of the best ones is the ice bath. Last May, I got went, I stayed at a yoga retreat. So I did yoga. I didn't just do yoga. I did hot yoga every morning. That takes a lot of discipline. And I did the ice bath every day for 30 days. And if you want to know how you think, go analyze your thoughts going to an ice bath. Are you thinking about how, are you making yourself miserable before you actually get in? Because you're probably making yourself miserable in other areas of life without getting into trouble yet. It's just such a clear insight, such a perfect window into, into how your mind works. Are you complaining that it hurts? It hurts, it hurts. Well, does it actually hurt or is it just a sensation? Can you handle a sensation? Are you telling yourself you're gonna die when you're probably being dramatic? If you're being dramatic, you're definitely being dramatic in other areas of your life. So it's a really good tool as well to put yourself through something very difficult to self-analyze. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to hear somebody else say that because I always try to like create these scenarios in my head and I'm like, okay, to your point, if I'm gonna quit in here, then I'm gonna quit when something gets difficult. When I get thrown a challenge in business or with family, with a friend, somebody that I care about, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna just, cause I, I have friends, I have family where, you know, they take, people take the easy way out of a situation. And it's, if you don't practice, you know, you said it earlier, right? The way you do one thing is the way you'll do anything. It's just habit. And so you never know. I'm a big, you know, I'm a big proponent of the second amendment. So for me, it's like you carry a gun, not because you want to be a hard ass or because you hope that you find yourself in a situation, but because, when you do find yourself in a situation, you, you want to be protected. It's no different than that. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So I do appreciate you coming on and brightening things up a little bit and sharing all this is really helpful. And I think, you know, I, you have a website, right. Where people can go and and check things more out. And it's, I mean, we live in a virtual world, so it doesn't matter that you're in Thailand, you can help them out regardless. Absolutely. All my clients are in the States right now, actually. (laughs) Really? Absolutely. That's even cool. I mean, look at that. We live in a world you're, you're enjoying time in Thailand, which I'm, I've never been, but it seems absolutely beautiful and amazing. The people seem as friendly as you could possibly imagine. Is that an illusion or is that real? True. People are kinder here than anywhere else. Yeah. Lucky. Especially this island I'm on. It's just pure magic here. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. What's the website? Where can people go and, and check out more content from you? So the website is Coach Tiffany Taylor. Instagram is the same at Coach Tiffany Taylor. LinkedIn is also Coach Tiffany Taylor. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and good luck and continued success in your journey. Hopefully we can reconnect uh, down the road and I can 
give you a little update on some of the things that I've changed based on this conversation. And, you know, we'll see, uh, see what else is going on. Great. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me on. Always great to catch up. 